The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madea, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. The Forever Fab podcast values truth and authenticity. We encourage our guests to show up exactly as they are, as the best version of themselves. Please note, this podcast episode contains adult language. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well, and all things beauty. I'm your host, Dr. Shirley Madare the founder of the Holistic Plastic Surgery Philosophy and your purveyor of this definitive source of living a beautiful and fabulous life. In this podcast, we like to have intelligent and fun discussions around some of the things that we love and that move us with joy, namely fashion, art, wellness, and the many faces of beauty. We keep it refreshing and real, educational but entertaining, scientific and fantastic. This week's episode is dedicated to connection. The title of the episode is Connection. How to get what you want in business and in life by giving others what they need. This is my interview with Susan McPherson. Susan McPherson is a creator, a founder, an innovator, a serial connector, angel investor, and all-around angel. But wait, there's more. She is also a public speaker and corporate responsibility expert and the founder and CEO of her namesake, McPherson Strategies. It's a communication consultancy focused on the intersection of brands and social impact. Susan has over 25 years of experience in marketing, public relations, and sustainability communications, but she has a lifetime of experience in connecting. She has garnered notable press, including appearances on NPR, CNN, USA Today, The New Yorker, New York Magazine, The Los Angeles Times, and so many more. She is a mentor, a supporter, and a fierce advocate of women and girls. Taking a seat on several for-profit as well as non-profit boards, Susan brings authenticity, her voice, connectivity, and social impact to the table. Susan is here with us today via StreamYard on the Forever Fab podcast to share how we may reconnect with ourselves and with others and to discuss her new book, The Lost Art of Connecting, the Gather, Ask, Do method for building meaningful relationships. Susan, thank you so much for your time today. I'm excited to get started with this interview. I'm first of all honored and grateful and what a what a true gift it is to be in your orbit truly. Oh, thank you. 
want to call you Dr. Shirley because that's I, fine. That's what most people call me. <laughs> it, 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 my, my late father was a professor and I remember growing up and people would call him Dr. My maiden name is Spectre, Dr. Spectre. And I'd always be like, you're not an MD. And I, <laughs> and I know how much work and, um, and all the things that go through. So um, thank you for the beautiful words and inviting me here today. Thank you so much for your virtual and beautiful presence. So shall we begin? Absolutely. Excellent. You mentioned your late father um, and your childhood and your upbringing. So what is your story? How did your upbringing prepare you to connect as artfully as you do? <laughs> well, <laughs> in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, I grew up in a kind of um, empty space between Albany and Saratoga, New York. And every morning at the breakfast table, there would be at minimum five of the local newspapers. And yes, <laughs> New York Times and Boston Globe, um, that my parents would be madly clipping to find articles of interest to people in their lives, personally and professionally, Wow, family relatives. And um, my, as mentioned, my father was a professor. He taught at a woman's college for close to 40 years. And he would not only stay in touch with women you know, who were students, but then their daughters and their granddaughters uh, via the mail. And wow mom, my late mother worked in um, PR for public television. So I would watch her clip and cut that she would then send to journalists. And they would each go to their respective manual typewriters where they would type short little notes and then put the articles and the notes in regular envelopes and then send out into the postal mail. So I assumed this is what everybody's parents did. <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> and, you know, obviously uh, when I got out into the professional world in the, the mid to late 80s, um, you know, we were slowly getting into like technology. And I remember having my first fax machine and being able to do what they did in a more efficient manner. Although mm. I'm completely honest, I have a feeling some of those texts are still somewhere out in the, or, I'm sorry, the faxes are still <laughs> out there in the ether. Cause I, for the life of me, could never figure out how to use the fax machine. The fax machine. <laughs> but in the mid 90s, once there was email, you know, for CompuServe and American, American Online, I could take 10 people that I knew in one email and attach an article and by virtue of sending that article, connect them all because yes. the article would be something grounding or, you know, it would be some event I wanted to share, but I would make a point to showcase how this made sense to all of them so that wow. therefore I would be creating community. But again, I just assumed everybody did this and, you know, come the aughts, you know, the mid two thousands when social media started, Again, these tools made it more efficient. But you'll see, uh, you know, the, the ethos for the book was had we become too dependent on technology. Yes, yes. That's really incredible. And I, and I love that with the game-changing appearance of email that you could bring everyone together by virtue of sending an article that you knew that each one of them, although they're all different, had some kind right. of, yeah, it resonated with them in different ways and that brought all of them together. Now that takes not only class and care and compassion, it takes a lot of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> um, every single good thing that has happened in my life happened because of connections. Honestly, yeah. every job, every, you know, every guy I met, every, yeah. that is every board seat, every bit of fun. Right. So, yes. I mean, especially and personally, you know, it, it is, 
it has been the 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 key um kind of north star yeah so, um i also you know just back to the childhood my parents really embedded in me this sense of unlimited curiosity ah. things but about human experience that um i carry with me today and it, it was this notion that every single person no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, no matter what their current cultural heritage is, their religion, their race, whatever, it it was they were all deserved of our attention, our interest, and our compassion. And also a grounding force. And I don't yeah. want to believe me, I am not a Pollyanna. I make mistakes. I probably have said things that are, you know, <laughs> So I don't want to come across as like I'm, I'm putting myself on this pedestal. It's just it has embedded in me this constant curiosity, which has really allowed me to be always very, very open with people who were different from myself. Right. Well, that brings actually two um, things to mind. Number one, the golden rule, right? You You want to be able to believe that people are genuinely interested in you, so you give that out. But it also calls to mind this... I think basic irreducible truth, which is in the end, it's really all about people, yeah. right? And and yes, the connections and, and the job that you got or the person that you met or you know the accolade that you received, but in, in that mix is one person who led you to another person who led you to the other person who recommended you or nominated. It's all about people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if we wanna get that granular, we're all little breadcrumbs. <laughs> I have to be a gluten-free breadcrumb. <laughs> it just, you can get that now. <laughs> yes, you can get that now. Thank goodness. So in the gather stage um, of connecting, um, mentioning one of the uh, stages in your book, the, the in the gather stage of connecting artfully, what, why does one have to be so intentional about forming his or her tribe? It, it isn't, it, it can't necessarily be a random thing, right? Why does someone have to be so intentional about whom you gather into your tribe? Sure. Well, first of all, I think let, let's start off by delineating between connecting and networking. And I think okay. that's where intentionality comes from. And Got I don't, it. I do not, I am, I am pro networking. We all have to do it. Um, but it is very much, you know, one to many. Um, it's picking up business cards. There's no plan. There's no, mm. again, so people's times, you know, all of, you know, with the world being as crazy as it is and our, our professional lives being so busy and hectic, we only have so much time. And yes. it's, it, it, where, where this gather component comes across first is, is this notion of how am I going to intentionally gather people around me that are going to help me meet my goals? Okay. You can network all the time, but if you want yeah. to thinking about how am I going to get to the goals I want in four years? four months, even four weeks, mm -hmm. it helps to be very strategic. Um, and also not count people out, right? This isn't about elimination. This is about thinking about who are the people that you know, who are the people that you used to know that you've lost touch with, and who yes. are the people that the people you know know, okay? Yes. But the most important thing to do before you even go there is to know yourself and to oh, look, yeah. look internally and think about what is a meaningful connection to you and what are the superpowers, the secret sauces, the chief differentiating factors that you can bring to the community? And that is the guiding light. And that is the notion of leading with 
How can I be of help? How can I be of support? And by doing that, you're helping yourself. I wish I had your book years ago because um, when I was attending a number of um, networking um, sessions, so to speak, I I actually greeted them with a little bit of dread because I did feel as if it was sort of robotic or, or perfunctory, yes. right? Um, I didn't have the skills to know how to strategically network. But I had an epiphany um, one night before I was going to leave for one of these networking sessions. And I heard myself say, you know what? If I could just connect with one person, just one person who actually asked for my card or asked for what I did, then I would be satisfied. Yeah. So, yeah. so to your point, I didn't call it intention, but I was sort of, in, you know, manifesting. And I agree. I like that you should know yourself first before you can even think about helping someone else, right? And, and also know that yourself is going to change throughout your lifetime. So this is a very healthy exercise to do. And I will be so bold to say in this weird kind of in-between that we're in now, at least in yes. the United States, I mean, I know many other people in the world are still suffering immensely. And they're still, yes. still here, obviously, suffering. But I think given, I almost liken it to purgatory, where we kind of have one foot <laughs> on the other, but we're still, our butt is still on the couch. And yeah. And, and we're trepidatious, but this right now, we have an opportunity for a reset. We have an opportunity for a do-over to really use this next few months to be very intentional. And I can say, at least in my lifetime, and I'm 56, so it's a long time. You look fabulous, Susan. Honey, it, you know, Zoom filters do wonderful things. <laughs> but I, I can tell you, you know, like, let's look at it from a positive perspective and think about how can we honor this do-over and how do we use this to the you know take I mean, the, the the last 15 months have been hell and and obviously hell for so many people so what what can we grind out of it that that is yes. i believe i do believe that i i do believe that we have the power to at least perceive the reset in a different way right right you speak of um these connections that we make um and these contacts that uh, we run into as a stars, right? As stars. What do you mean by creating a constellation? Sure. I love that sure. metaphor. Sure. Well, constellations, if we look back in antiquity, were created because people would look up in the sky and be like, what the hell, right? And <laughs> they, to help them understand what was constantly moving was to literally create stories to describe each of them. Mm -hmm. And I when you are connecting people, whether it's one-to-one -one or one-to-many, you are creating tapestries of stories. You are creating impact. You're creating concentric circles that build upon each other. So that is very much, I mean, the, the constellations overlap. You know, if, 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 and I'm not an astronomer and I'm not pretending to be, <laughs> but it is, it is true. They, they, the, the Big Dipper overlaps and, and I'm going to Somebody's going to butcher what I'm saying, but let's just pretend it overlaps with Sagittarius. So, I mean, when you, again, I, to delineate between networking, I don't think of networking as creating impact in stories. Mm. Um, and I hope that that qualifies the difference. So, yes. you, you know, and, and think about this, Dr. Shirley, the people you've introduced, think of the magic that has gone on to happen. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, mean, I really love that. We witness it every day on the We Suite, the community that you and I met through. Yes, and that's right. Businesses get funded, nonprofits, you know, uh, uh, find board members. 
Um, people find jobs. People get married. You know, I mean, yes. People show up on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, <laughs> it's all about women who do, right? Women who do. Now gather, ask, do. Gather, ask, do. Shout out to you and shout out to D Poku, right? Visionary and founder of the We Suite. I love it. So constellations and stars and intentionality and strategic networking. You mentioned that we have an opportunity because yes, we are sort of in this in-between place space where we are going out, but perhaps not with, without the same frequency or without the same you know, amount of time, et cetera. How may we foster, not just create, but how may we foster these meaningful relationships with our constellation and these stars through the digital age, through social media, through Zoom? How do we do it? Well, for one, we many of us have been doing it for 15 months. And I have been solo since um, March of 2020. Um, wow. No parents, no children, no significant other. And every day I would, to keep my own sanity, reach out yeah. to my people in whatever means was easiest at the time, um, you know, for several reasons. One, to send a little bit of love. Two, yes. check in and check on others. And three, basically wave my arms and say, don't forget me. Yeah. Yes. But I think right now, um, you know, in, in, in cases where we're comfortable, and I say yes. those of us who are comfortable, is start yes. together with people we know. But it's also yes. a really good time to reach out to people in your community, your neighbors as well, but also digitally, people that you've lost touch with, that you have yeah. a desire, okay? I mean, obviously you can't reconnect with everybody you've met in your life, but you have a great excuse. We've been in a pandemic and yes. use, it, use it for that. Secondly, again, think about that gather phase where you are intentionally thinking about, okay, what, what do you wanna see happen next year, next month, next fall, okay? What are some of your goals? And how can connecting or reconnecting help make that happen? And then obviously pick the platforms that you're most comfortable with. I don't yeah. suggest you get on all of them. I mean, we all kind of have a couple that we tend to steer towards. Yes. But always, always when you're reaching out with to people, I realize we're reaching out to help ourselves, but always figure out a way you can be helpful to that person. And even if it isn't someone you know, you yeah. have all the tools to find out what is going on in their lives. You can look at what they've said on Twitter over the last week. You can see what their professional trajectory is on LinkedIn. You can see if they have grandchildren, for God's sakes, by looking at their Instagram, if it's public. In my day, if I wanted to research somebody before I reached out to them, I had the yellow pages. <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica, which obviously didn't have the vast majority of the, no. the population of the world. Right, right is to, you know, be very intentional by thinking about what your goals are, do the research a little bit for five minutes to check yes. on, and then think about instead of what are you asking from that person, what can you offer that person? Beautiful. Beautiful. How do you personally deal with Zoom fatigue or social media fatigue for that matter? I mean, it has been 15 months, right? Well, I look at it this way. It's been our lifeblood. So as yeah. much as we it, and I'm also a big proponent of the chat. Um, you know, I joke when we used to be in, you know, endless meetings after meetings. Yes, yes. We'd be chatting with our fellow colleague because we get yelled at. I mean, right. it would be disrespectful. Yes. You can strategically use that chat to 
be asking colleagues how they're doing. You can be asking them, you know, in a similar way to people using Slack, but you can be asking them if there's something they need. If you can have mm -hmm. minutes of their time because you want to figure out how you can be supporting them in whatever they're doing. And oh, by the way, can they help you with something? Yes. So I find, you know, in any of them, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google, they all have a form of that chat. And I think it's become very effective. And I think, again, it, it's, it's allowed us to be intentional. Um, so so that has been has been one um, one way. I also have been picking up the damn phone. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I find that when I'm walking, it it is a, you know, as much as podcasts are great to listen to and I'm all yes. for it. Or NPR, sometimes yes. just a five or ten minute chat via the I phone. I agree. Yeah, you know, I understand. You know, younger people might prefer text. I mean, that's a wild generalization, but yes. that's what many show. Yes. But we we had a loneliness epidemic in this country and around the world before the pandemic. So I think we need to this start true. how we can help mitigate that. This is true. And boy, it has had some serious uh, repercussions and ripple effects just in terms of mental health and et cetera. So it has definitely been um, significant. So thank you for that. I'm a huge advocate of picking up the phone. <laughs> well, that's what I don't the know. we're made for. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. I'm just scrolling, you know, through the internet. Um, many of us uh, feel that, and, and I am certainly one of them, feel that time is ephemeral. It is, it's short. Uh, and it's fleeting. Why is it so important to not only have a network, um, but to have more than one network, yes. well, especially for women? Yes, and that's a great question. And I talk a bit about in the book on this notion of having a um, a network of or a community of men that we can tap into as well as women. And I joke because I don't know, I've been single now, six years, I don't know any men, so I'm probably <laughs> taking my own advice. But if I look back at my career, I have learned a great deal from men. I've learned to be mm. bolder. I've learned to ask for things that I deserve. I've become a better negotiator. And as detrimental as this is to say, it's the, it's the bloody truth. And that is, we are still living in a patriarchy of white men yes. who run all the power centers. So we really need to learn from them and how they got there so that we can not necessarily mimic their behavior, but right. what are things we can take from that. At yes. the same time, we know women have suffered unbelievably um, and and borne the brunt of this pandemic in much greater numbers for all the reasons. Yes. yes. And, you know, for the, 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 the women in, who are listening who have children, meaning they're doing nine jobs, not just oh, two. Yeah. Um, you need your peers to help you through and guide you and give you advice. So yes. to me, um, you know, they can be overlapping concentric constellations, but I do believe we benefit, all of us, from having these types of networks or communities. Yes, they don't have to be completely isolated. Um, you know, if we were to draw a Venn diagram, I'm sure there'd be overlap, but I do think, it, it, again, it's that intentionality, um, yes. but I think we derive differing things from, from both and both being very positive. Okay, okay. Now, there, you mentioned in the book that there are various types of currency um, or leading with what can I do for you? How may I help you? What are some of those types of currency that can be offered when asking if you can be of assistance or of help to someone? Sure. Well, let me first say, people have often asked me in my life, you know, how do you, how do you have time? Why, how are you helping other people? First yes. of all, I gain time by helping people. 
because uh, then you get, you get almost credits. And I don't want to act, it sounds so manipulative, but over the last almost eight years, I founded my company at age 48. Wow, impressive. Thank you. But 95% of our business has been inbound. So what that tells me is all those people in my 20s and 30s and a good chunk of my 40s that I was supporting, introducing, connecting, have come back, um, dare I say, to roost. And it wasn't like I had any kind of, um, you know, what is it, uh, magic ball to look in. Right. The thought of running a business was never even part of my lexicon, part of my desires, my even my dreams. It wasn't interesting. Even so it wasn't like I was making that and thinking, you know what, I'm going to come back and call you in 20 years. Yes. So I think it, it's first important to understand what is the benefit, right? We can't get people to do these things if they don't see the actual return. So right. I can tell you in real, real life, there is a return. But I think all of us have superpowers. We have mm. distinguishing factors. And I think it's a healthy as part of that gather phase to really think about those. And they're going to be different at different points in our lives. So when we reach out to people, it's important to think about what is it that we can do? Is it an introduction? Can mm -hmm. we help fund? Can we write a check? Do we know someone who can write a check? Um, do we know what, you know, that they happen to be taking a trip and we we have been to that place and we can make recommendations? I know that sounds kind of, you know, like not, perf you know, lower on the totem pole, but not at all, but less important. But in the end, you are providing people a gift when you provide them guidance or help. And I, I, I also sometimes am asked, well, you know, maybe somebody doesn't want help. We've just lived through 15 months of hell. I can't imagine people can't use a, just a wee bit of support. Just a little something, something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, I struggle with this. Um, and as I was reading your book, I thought, wow, I, I really want to be able to ask Susan this during the um, podcast. Does leading with how may I help um, lead to overgiving or being taken advantage of? Um, and, and I ask this because I struggle with it because I, I believe that I am just a, a natural born giver or um, an empath. So yep. I often lead with what can I do for you? How may I help? I mean, I, I went into a healing profession for, you know, a, a helping <laughs> others profession for crying out loud. So is there a way to sort of know when your how may I be of assistance is not being um, taken for granted or taken advantage of? Now, that is such a great question. And I think we all know takers. And yes. one of the things that age has taught me is the ability to say and recognize and say, I've helped you on these three occasions. Mm -hmm. And I really turn my attention to others who are have greater need right now. Uh, um, the other thing is, is there's times, you know, just like the past six weeks where I've had some medical issues where I haven't been able to be as helpful. Does that mean I want to say no forever? No, right. it's just being very direct and stating right now I can't, but I might know somebody who can help. Or right. what I do, if I, if I, as long as I'm not doing 10 other things, is I write down in the next month that I'm going to circle back with the person. Um, and I make a little calendar entry because that way... Yes not trying to commit it to memory. And that way I can come back at a time where maybe things are more stable and I have a better, you know, my bag of tricks is more open to, to, to yes. be able to, to um, dive in and, and be of support. Yes, thank you for that. That was really a, a big one for me. Um, and along the same lines, what are five minute favors? 
Oh, five minute ask. Well, in yes. the book, the gather, ask, do phase, the ask overall arch of ask is learning how to ask others the meaningful questions so that you can learn more about them. But ah. in relationship building, in creating connections, obviously we have to be better at asking. So in the yes. book, I described something called this, what you just said, the five minute ask, and that is small little asks along the way because in doing so, you actually engage the person in your mm. right? You get them to be a little bit more vested, um, and that way they are much more likely to be helpful when you have the big ask. Right. I always suggest is give people options because everybody's at a different place, and sometimes they might be able to write that check, or sometimes they might be able to open that door at a company, but other times they might be able to just send a tweet. So if yeah. you give people a few options, it it ups the ante in terms of a likelihood of a response, right? You're yes. much less likely to get ghosted if you give people a choice. <laughs> and I, I realize this. It, it just, it's a lot harder to say no when somebody lays out three options. That's true. Right? And Think you know, I'm, choice. It's much easier than just filling in the gap. That's true. Or rather than say, hi, you know, I'm... I'd really love for you to donate to my charity. And it's yeah. just $10,000. But maybe you yes. say, listen, $10 and $1. Right. right. And then slow. Well, I liken it. It's like, and forgive me for, I hope I don't offend anyone, but it's a little like asking for sex on the first date. <laughs> there are times it's right. And there are times it's yeah. not. What is that? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast. Stay tuned for part two. You've just listened to part one of Forever Fab podcast. Please stay tuned for part two coming up next. <laughs>